South America is truly an interesting continent. A place full of countries that it seems not many in North America are super educated about. Welcome back to the swamp my friends and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true scary stories from South America. As always if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you didn't know, I recently started streaming over on Twitch. If you're a fan of horror games, live scary stories, and things like that, be sure to join me over there. I'm streaming every Monday and Thursday. The link to follow is in the description. I'd love to see you and interact. Before we get right into this episode though, today's episode is sponsored by Chilling. Now, if you're not sure what Chilling is, Chilling is the new home of horror. It gives you an experience with horror stories that nowhere else can. Chilling has tons of cool features and new ones coming out all the time, not to mention our exclusive ambience menu. This is a first of its kind menu that allows you to change the ambience and volume at will without interrupting the story you're listening to. It's an absolute game changer. There's also new things like users being able to now add their stories to their own custom playlist throughout the application. Users now have the ability to adjust the speed Speed of the narrations so you can make it faster or slower. There have been major updates to the UI so it makes it much more user friendly. And of course Chilling always has its over 700 stories which is hundreds of hours with new stories coming every single week from monsters, gore, paranormal, thrillers, true stories and everything else in between. You have the ability to minimize the app and darken the screen. There's a sleep timer and the ability to control both narration and ambience independently. The ability to see what stories you've already listened to and even a recent story section have been added. Start the free trial today. It's only $2.99 per month after that. Oh. And did I mention, the entire app is ad-free. That's right, not a single ad will be found on the entire app. One last thing before we jump right into these stories. The Chilling app is currently doing a giveaway to all current subscribers and new subscribers. They are currently giving away an Xbox Series X bundle with Elden Ring and Resident Evil 8. You can find further details on how to enter with the link in the description down below. First off, I'm sorry for my English spelling, as I am not a native speaker, but I really wanted to share my story on the show. This happened about three years ago, but it still bothers me to this day. I hope you guys could maybe help me figure out what actually happened. Three years ago, I went traveling with my boyfriend through Peru. I had been traveling for 19 hours by the time I finally reached my hostel in Lima. I just passed out and slept like a baby. The next day I woke up and felt like I was entirely jet-lagged and that I needed to take a nap. My boyfriend felt fine so stayed in the communal room to use the Wi-Fi. As I was sleeping, I sensed something in the room with me and I slightly opened my eyes to see some dark shade crouching next to me. As I was too tired to really know what was going on, I couldn't open my eyes and I assumed it was my boyfriend. Except my boyfriend came through the door about 30 seconds later. Since I was so tired and jet-lagged, I didn't think much of it. Until that night. We were sleeping, and in the middle of the night I woke up. I felt my boyfriend messing with the blanket, but when I looked up, I saw this 
humanoid figure dancing through our room, really dancing from one side to the other. I screamed to my boyfriend that there was someone in our room. He told me there wasn't anybody there and it was just him messing with the blanket, but I still saw the figure and I kept seeing it. Still, freaking out my boyfriend, he turned on the light and of course there was nothing there. The figure was gone. The next day we debated to ask for another room as we were going to be staying there for another couple of nights. I didn't dare to ask the staff because I felt silly. As we were debating, there was a knock on the door and one of the hostel ladies came to ask if we were okay with switching rooms as they were going to do repairs in this one. I have never felt so relieved in my entire life. I don't know what was in my room. I saw it but my boyfriend didn't and I can't seem to figure out why they decided to fix the room that day. There wasn't anything wrong with it. Did they hear me scream that night? I hope you guys can tell me what happened. I'm quite sure that this was not sleep paralysis as I was fully awake and able to move. That said, it wasn't a nightmare either as I was fully awake. I hope that some of you might have had more experience with something like this and share your thoughts in the comments. I'm open to anything that can help me solve this mystery that has been haunting me for the past three years. Both of my parents come from a very small town in central Brazil. It is mostly a farming and mining region. The house where my mother grew up was built in the 1600s. It was the master's house of a large slave-run farm, with a little old church in front of it from the same time period. Maybe to make up for all the slaves who must have suffered terribly in that house at the hands of my ancestors, my grandmother decided to use the house's kitchen, the main room in the house, as a place to take care of sick and poor people. My mom personally saw many people die in the house during her childhood. Fast forward to the early 1980s. Both of my parents had moved to Rio de Janeiro some decades prior, and I was now a 16, 17-year-old painfully shy boy with undiagnosed autism, born and raised in a place where machismo ruled. I didn't have many friends growing up, I didn't even begin to talk until my teenage years, really, and living in a house with four older sisters, I longed for some solitude any time I could get any. When I heard my grandmother had moved in with one of her daughters, I asked her if I could spend my three-month summer vacation on my own in the old house, and she welcomed it. At first, one of my sisters came with me. The old church was under renovations and all the statues and paintings from it were in the room where she was staying. The statues were a bit spooky looking, I'll admit, with glass eyes that seemed to shine in the dark. The first few nights we had a few spooky moments, but nothing too bad. The space between the walls and the roof wasn't particularly well sealed, so owls and bats could get in and fly around. We mostly laughed at it. Then, on the third or fourth night, I woke up to the sound of my sister screaming. I ran to her room, opened the door and saw her bed in the middle of the room with all the spooky statues turned around facing it. She was on the first bus back to Rio the next morning. I was very scared as well, but decided to stay. This was my first chance to be on my own, and as a 16 or 17 year old boy, I loved the attention I got from the local girls intrigued to spend time with the boy from the big city in a house all of his own. During the next couple of months, a few small things happened here and there. One night, while walking past the church, a dead cat fell from the roof right in front of me. 
It was badly mutilated, apparently from a catfight, but I didn't hear anything. Catfights are very loud and honestly sound demonic. I buried the little guy next to the church and gave him a prayer. On another night, an owl landed at the foot of my bed, and it stood there for several minutes staring at me. I just couldn't scare it away, but eventually it flew off. About a week before my departure is when it all happened. A distant cousin of mine was a huge guy with a bad temper. Found out his younger brother was dealing drugs. What berserk. As I walked past their house, their mom ran out screaming for help. She had blood on her hands. I ran in and the younger brother was on the floor with his face all smashed in, while the older brother stood over him with a big knife. I managed to talk him into dropping the knife and going for a walk with me. We stopped at a local grocery store, bought a few sandwiches and beers, and sat at the park bench to chat. We chatted for a few hours, and somehow I overcame my extreme shyness and desire to be alone. I wanted to listen to what was on this person's mind, while bringing in a few observations here and there, hopefully to help them think more clear. While he was chatting, a stray dog came and sat next to us, obviously eyeing some of the leftover sandwiches. We gave him what he wanted, and he stayed with us. At one point, we decided to head back, and the dog came with us. I dropped my friend off by his house first, then walked home with the dog in tow. It felt good to have some company on my walk home anyway. I saw a goat jump over a wall and onto the street. Never heard of wild goats walking the streets, but there it was. The dog and I just ignored it and kept going on our way. As we approached the clearing in front of the church, the dog stopped and started to growl and stepped backwards. Something I couldn't see scared the hell out of him. I backed up and went the longer way around toward the back of the house. As I walked out of the woods and out to the backyard area, the dog went fully berserk. It started to bark aggressively while pacing back and forth, keeping his eyes on the back door. Then it grabbed a stone on the ground and started to chew on it while still growling, with pieces of stone, teeth, and blood coming out of its mouth. The dog ran back into the woods in an obvious sign of distress while I stood there pondering my next move and figuring out what I was going to do. It was a very cold night, so I went in. Once back in the house, my heart was racing, but nothing seemed out of the ordinary at all. I managed to calm myself down and got my heart rate down, and went to bed eventually. I left the window next to me unlocked in case I needed to bail. A while later, I heard something extremely heavy, like footsteps, and the old wooden floor creaking under whatever it was. I opened the bedroom door and saw a horse walking past the living room towards the kitchen. Bats, cats, and owls? That I had no problem with. But how in the world did a horse get in? I opened the back door and the horse walked out. I couldn't go to bed. There was an old black and white TV in the living room, with an antenna attached to the top of the mango tree outside. And at night we could get a signal from a small city not too far away. They were showing a classic 1973 movie, The Horror, at 37,000 feet. It's about an airplane carrying some religious artifacts and it becomes haunted. Too close for home for me. I stood up and turned off the TV, and that's when all hell broke loose. It felt like an earthquake. The house was shaking, all the lights were flickering, and all the critters running and flying around apparently freaking out as much as me. I ran to the bedroom, closed the door, and got under the covers and things went quiet. That's when I started to hear some very heavy breathing next to me. I popped my head out to look and saw the wall inflating and deflating like a belly of a breathing animal. 
I remembered about the window and jumped out. I badly sprained my foot and nearly froze to death spending the rest of the night on a park bench. The next morning, a couple of truckers helped me get back through the window, some ten feet above the sidewalk. The wall still looked inflated, but there was no further activity. I spent another week or so in that house and nothing unusual happened again. I went back to the same house many times thereafter over the years and again, nothing. This was sometime in the early 90s. I decided to ask my grandmother if she ever witnessed anything unusual in the house. She looked at me, smiled, then offered to cook me lunch. She died not long after that, and the house got demolished soon after. I never saw that dog again. I am now in my 40s, but was raised from the tender age of two in San Jose, Costa Rica, as a missionary kid, with a dad and mom committed and engaged in Christian ministry full-time. My parents are originally from the Midwestern United States. As you can imagine, this placed a tremendous amount of pressure on myself, the oldest of six, and my siblings growing up. As I have always been highly impressionable, after watching the movie detailing the rapture, this is the belief that Jesus would come back for the righteous and leave everyone else behind to suffer unthinkable tortures for seven years, and then on to hell they'd go. I began to suffer, from the age of seven, from debilitating panic attacks brought on by my dwelling on the ideas covered in this movie. As a result of these panic attacks, and being my parents' first child, they were way out of their depth in trying to console me and never really having experienced anything like this themselves, were at a loss. My mother's diagnosis of what was happening to me was that I was bound by Satan, and I needed to claim freedom in the name of Jesus, rebuking Satan. So, I guess that's what we did. And it didn't work. As an adult and a mother of three kids, one of which I am proud to state as a member of the U.S. military, and having shed the religiosity years ago, um, I will just say this. I suffered from religious trauma syndrome and am now only truly cured, having released the fears I held on to for so long and I am now a healthy individual. On to the first story. Every year the youth of the churches would gather at a makeshift campground to learn about the Bible and sing and play sports and games and stuff, basically just socialize with our peers. It was so much fun until they decided to change the venue of the camps to a set of large log cabins in the outskirts of San Jose, a place called Ascazu, where it was said witchcraft was practiced long ago. I was around 15 years old at this time, and we were mesmerized by these enormous cabins with stunning views of the city below and the thinner, cooler air. One of the larger buildings served as a large kitchen to feed the myriad of youth and counselors, and in the same building on the upper floor was the gathering area, where we would learn and sing together. Right across a large paved driveway was another large log cabin, three stories high, that would house the girls on the top two levels and the guys on the bottom level. We were ecstatic to move into our lodgings for the next week. We ran upstairs, selected our bunks, and placed our clothing into the closets. There was only one bathroom per floor, though, and we would all be sharing it. There were probably 15 girls on the third floor and about 20 on the second floor. The first day went well. Sports, good food, and then we all went back to the third floor cabin to get ready to get ready for the evening session. 
Bear in mind that in Costa Rica there is no such concept as daylight savings time and every day, year-round, the sun sets around 6 p.m., with no exceptions. It was dusk and I was taking my turn in the shower, hearing the gals outside my door chatting, laughing, and getting ready. I could hear their bare feet on the wooden floors. You know how bare feet sound on a wooden floor, right? So, I stepped out of the shower, dry off, and put my clothes on. At this time, the bathroom was so steamy from my shower that I wanted to open the door to breathe in some cooler air. When I opened the bathroom door, I almost yelped. There was not one person in the third floor room. Mind you, I could still hear footsteps all around me and laughing and chatting, but there was no one there. I swallowed hard and re-entered the bathroom, choosing to brush it off and went on very quickly to put on some makeup, brush my hair, and head over to the gathering area. I was absolutely terrified. As I descended the stairs onto the second floor, there was no one in that area either. I then booked it over to the other building, now fully horrified at what I'd experienced and wanting to tell my best friend Cynthia. I rushed up the stairs to the gathering area, sat down and began bawling. I had no idea that there were several people around me, but they all started asking me what was going on and I explained what had happened to them, but reluctantly. I was beginning to calm down a bit after about five minutes when I saw a shy, quiet girl named Yahaira sitting on the opposite end of the room, crying her eyes out. I approached her and asked her what was wrong. She had went on to tell me that she had gone upstairs to our third floor living quarters. This must have been only a couple of minutes after I had run out of the building and went to the closet to get a sweater and the closet doors began to open and close violently by themselves. I now had confirmation that what I had experienced was not just my imagination. That evening, we were so afraid to go back into the room. It was our first night there, and none of us wanted to head off up to the third floor for sleep. As we made our way up, we could all hear it. Footsteps, low voices talking, muffled laughing. We shoved all the bunk beds together, and all of us held hands. We prayed aloud and rebuked whatever haunted us that night. We eventually managed to fall asleep from utter exhaustion and woke up in the morning to the same muffled noises. We later had a meeting about the incident on the third floor, now gathering on the second floor, and to my utter dismay, my best friend stated publicly that she didn't believe what we were experiencing was anything troublesome, and that it likely had a practical explanation. I was fuming, and we didn't speak much for the rest of the time at that camp. We never really learned what happened to us or why it happened and we disagreed about the incidents for several years in the future. We did end up going back to that camping cabin the next year, and never again had a similar experience. All was quiet the next year, and due to the pure defiance, we did stay in the third room again, just to prove that we were no longer afraid. The next incident, though not a scary one, is still baffling to me. I was with the same best friend, Cynthia, and where I lived at the time in Costa Rica was a very small home built on the same lot as our church was located, in a poorer area of town, and where we would walk around regularly due to its relative safety at the time. Our home, to fit a family of eight, was being built at the time, and to save on rent, we lived there for about a year and a half. We were on our way to a mutual friend's house, Mariella, and her home was about a 10-minute walk from the church. We set off and we were rounding the corner to her house. We saw her walk into her home, placing her white tennis shoes on the front steps to the home before entering. We almost called out but figured we'd approach the home and ask her to come out instead of yelling. When we walked up to the front of the home, her mother greeted us at the door since it was already open, and we asked if she could come out. 
Mariella's mother proceeded to tell us that she was not home. I laughed since I had seen her enter just a moment ago and asked if she was joking. The thing is, Mariella's mom was very shy, a very serious woman who didn't know us very well and didn't joke around. I asked if we could enter and check for ourselves, and as it was a tiny home, within a minute, we checked every inch of the house and she was indeed not home. We were stunned and could not understand what we had seen, if not her, any ideas of what this could have been. I have other experiences from my time living in Costa Rica, but they were from when I was younger, and I'm honestly unsure if I can trust my memory of the things I experienced. I have always had an active imagination and high sensitivity to my surroundings, and wouldn't have recounted the stories mentioned above had they not been corroborated by others. Let me know your thoughts, as I am open to hearing your theories. This took place a few years ago when I was backpacking through South America. I was around 20 years old at the time. My friend and myself had made a stop in the Brazilian city of Florianopolis. And it just so happened to be the carnival season, so we decided to go out and join the festivities. The crowd was very large and very dense, the kind you really have to push through. And at one point I managed to get separated from my friend. Great, just my luck. One thing I should mention at this point is that I have long, very light blonde hair. It's the kind you usually get from a bottle. I grew up in South America, so I was used to getting comments, stares, and questions about it. So I'm stuck in this crowd looking around for my friend, when I feel someone taking a big strand of my hair. I turn around enough to see this guy holding it, looking at it with this look of utter fascination on his face. He didn't even look at me. He was just gaping at my hair playing with it. I thought it was pretty weird, but just took my hair back. He was not grasping it tightly at all, thankfully, and resumed looking for my friend. Not even two seconds later, I feel him taking my hair again. I turn around and again, he doesn't even acknowledge my weirded out look. He takes it to his face and freaking inhales, eyes closed and all. Then he proceeds to rub it against his cheek. Again, I take my hair away and manage to slip through the crowd, but not before feeling his hand on my head one more time. I was weirded out more than scared, and I did end up laughing it off about an hour later when I found my friend. But still, that was one of the creepiest and weirdest things I've ever encountered. Hopefully, he's not out there sniffing anybody else's hair. I am from Argentina, so my English is kind of bad. I did my best with Google Translate to share my experience with you. Sorry if some things are not well understood. This experience occurred seven years ago on a trip that we made with my elementary school in sixth grade to a hotel in another area, where we were going to be staying for about one week. To be more exact, this happened on the fourth day. We had finished dinner and the people who took care of us told us that we had to go to sleep and each group went to their respective room to sleep. The rooms were divided into groups of three boys and I stayed with two friends in a room which had three beds placed one next to the other against the same wall. In front of the middle bed, which was the one where I slept, there was a television that on the right side had a closet and on the left side had the bathroom. When we got ready to sleep, my friends forgot the TV control on top of the table and told me to go and manually turn off the TV. I reluctantly got up and turned off the TV. 
when I laid down again in my bed, I noticed something out of the corner of my eye. Something that was inside the closet. It looked like a face that was stretched out and out of light brown color, but it was not like anything similar to a person. This thing had no eyes or body and was semi-hidden between the clothes and the closet. If I could say something that it resembles, I would say it resembled that stretched mouth monster that is in the game of amnesia, but without eyes. Before, I did not believe in ghosts or anything like that, but although it seemed strange to me, I ignored it and thought it was a pile of poorly ordered clothes that looked like a face, or maybe I was just imagining it due to fatigue, and I went to sleep. After covering myself with the sheets, I felt a little curious, and I peeked out and looked to see if I could see if it was still there. That face was no longer there, and had left a space where it was supposed to be, and after I noticed something else strange, but even more obvious, there was someone in a white dress standing a few meters away from my bed, right between the television and my bed. At that moment, I covered myself completely and I began to think what that could be. I was hoping that it was not some sort of ghost that was in the room that we were staying in. There was nothing white, much less like a dress on the walls. The walls were a reddish color and the floor was brown, so I couldn't have been confused. I pinched myself and opened my eyes wide to see if I was dreaming, but I wasn't. I tried to peek one last time to see if the person in the white dress was still there, and then I saw her. I will never forget that face. Just when I lifted the sheets to look a little, I saw the face of a woman who was bending over and looking at me right next to my bed. She had black hair, Asian features, pale skin, like the moon, and a look that seemed to look at your soul. She had eyes wide open and was only a few inches from my face. I covered myself completely with the sheets and yelled at my friends, Turn on the light! They half asleep asked me why I was shouting, Turn on the light! I shouted even louder. And when they did, I got out of the bed and inspected my surroundings. There was no trace of that woman. I checked the bathroom and the closet, but I didn't find anything and my friends got angry and asked why I had woken them up. I told them what had happened, and naturally, they didn't believe me. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true South American horror stories. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, don't forget to give us a 5-star rating over there, as it helps us grow. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them nearly every single day and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but would still like to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller Scary Stories, no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of all that, maybe check out the merch store. I have t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Don't forget I'm now streaming on Twitch just about every Monday and Thursday. There's a link you can find in the description to follow me over there. 
That's going to be 8 to 12 hours of extra content every single week. Join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.